Green Hat Podcast. Episode number six. Newfoundland. Traveling with kids in a car. In a three-week vacation. Okay, so think back to your childhood. You're in a car. You're in the back seat. Probably didn't have seat belts. Maybe you did. Depends how old you are. And you're with your parents, and you're traveling on some godforsaken long vacation someplace to get somewhere because that's what you did. You drove to go places. And you've got your brothers and sisters with you in the car. I don't know how many you have. I had, uh, I have three in total, so basically four kids in the back of the car. What do you do? You bug people. You bug each other. You have fun. You annoy each other and you, you know, you breathe too loud and people get upset that you're breathing too loud. Like it's just, it's crazy confined space. Well, as a parent, I get to experience this my first time on our 7,000 kilometer long drive about, it's about right, 7,000 kilometers from Ottawa all the way across the maritime provinces over and across a ferry to Newfoundland and back again over the course of three weeks. I recorded this, uh, it was well over a year and a half ago, and uh, I just re-listened to this again and uh, thought, you know what, this actually deserves an episode onto itself. This one's a bit long, it's running about 40-odd minutes or so, so uh, I hope you guys enjoy this, but uh, it's some rambling, some good stuff, some dog walks and some talks about what's going on as a parent and uh, trying to survive in this kind of a... Um, modern world of having to relive the days in the back of the station wagon that I did growing up. So uh, have a have a listen and enjoy. So this is the last evening that I've got at Grossmont Park for the uh, so far the end of week one of our three week vacation down east with the trailer. Just got back from taking a look at. Uh, Lobster Cove, nice little lighthouse down that way. And we walked along the beach looking for sand dollars. Found one, which is never good in a family of three kids. So it's the family sand dollar. Filled up with some gas. And now I got back to the campsite, let the dog out of the trailer, and I'm taking him for a walk. This is this little hiking trail that I found close by our site. That's, uh, <laughs> sorry, Riley's a little excited here. That's, uh, it's called the Moose Trail. I'm not technically allowed to have your dog off the leash here, but I think I'm going to ask for forgiveness. I've yet to see any other human being on this trail besides myself and the dog. As I mentioned, it's the end of the first week driving a trailer. With the three kids, the wife and the dog. It's been some adventures. I had thought I'd share one thing that we're just learning about now is because you know, we found out that 
when you tow a trailer, it tends to consume, or your car tends to consume an awful lot more gas. So luckily when we were doing the planning for this particular trip with uh, some software, I plugged in that we had outrageous liters per 100 kilometers. Okay. Programmed in something like 30, something ridiculous like that. And at the price of gas was a buck 40. Again, just to estimate the costs. And uh, I think I'm getting about 20, 22, which still is not very good for fuel efficiency. But the first night, we're trying to drive to some place at the side of Quebec City the camp for the night on a week ago Friday, a week ago today, and uh, Kelly decided, hey, you feel like going all the way to New Brunswick? You know, it, was, it wasn't all that late, the kids were asleep. We were uh, doing well, so I said, yeah, sure, why not? But the thing that we weren't really expecting was the fact that we had to be very conscious of when you refueled, because... The major gas stations disappear on the main roads. And uh, when they disappear, you find it harder to get gas all the time. So here we are, the other side of Quebec City. It's like 2.30 in the morning. And, uh... Rally! Sorry, I just got to keep him close. Rally! <laughs> oh, bugger run off. He's gone a little bit far down the trail. This is the spot that I want to stop at. Ah, oh, here he comes. Hey, what's that? Gonna catch the ball? He likes the water a lot. So it's 2.30 in the morning. We're getting low on gas. Got the gas light warning come on. I'm punching the GPS to say find me the closest gas station. And the closest gas station is about 40 kilometers past where my gas was going to take me. According to my estimates and my GPS. Oops. So we happen to find another location that uh, is in a small town. But obviously it's closed. So, with less than 10 kilometers left, I can go on my tank. The uh, decision is made that, you know what, why don't we just camp here? Well, let's camp in the parking lot of the gas station, middle of nowhere, Quebec. Some small town, I don't even know the name of the place. I got a picture of it, though. Um, and uh, it was set up for us to basically park in the parking lot. No one's around. Uh, send the wife back to the trailer to get a good night's sleep in an actual bed because she has a sore back. And I would sleep in the car with the kids who are already asleep. And lo and behold, after a very cramped and crappy sleep, I wake up at 5.30 to my dog who wants to go out. And we go out and hang out and play with the ball with the dog for half an hour until the gas tendon arrives. Who looks at us very strangely. And then decides to uh, open everything up and let us get some gas. We are the first customers out at uh, 5.58. He listened a little bit early to fill up and get on our way.
So uh, with that little detour, we're going to be arriving in the place we're going to go camping at in New Brunswick. Uh, instead of arriving at 8 o'clock in the morning, we arrived at around noonish or so uh, for when we're supposed to do it. So word to the wise, plan out your gas routes effectively and hedge on the side of caution so that uh, you don't run out. Otherwise, you might end up sleeping like we did <laughs> in the... Uh, gas station. One of the reasons we also decided to drive straight through was because the campground we were trying to get to at one point um, was uh, closes its doors. They no longer accept people in past uh, a certain time of night. Which is another thing we didn't forecast for because it's our first time using an RV or a trailer. And so uh, some of the larger ones like KOA as an example We'll go ahead and just leave some sample sites out. You can go and pick one and then shine up for it in the morning. But these other smaller private ones don't do that. They simply close their doors, close the gates, and then you're out of luck. So that was one of the driving reasons why we decided to keep on driving through. But long story short, we haven't been screwed for gas just yet. We made it through New Brunswick, visited the family, and then drove through here to catch the ferry. Wonderful ferry ride. And then... Uh, make it through to uh, Grossmore National Park. I've been here for three days, three nights, four days, leaving tomorrow to go off to this little tiny island called Fogo. Stay overnight at a pull-through spot, which is probably one of seven spots next to the city town hall in Fogo, uh, just to say that we are in Fogo and to look around. So that's our next adventure. I'm going to uh, just kind of sit here and take this in for a little bit and uh, catch the sunset. It's just starting to come down now. Riley's about ready to drop the ball so I can throw it again because he's kind of ball obsessed. Sun shining over top of the lake. I can just see the kids near the side of the lake swimming. And I'm uh, just going to take it in for a minute. Three days ago, our day in was the ferry ride, which was awesome. Beautiful calm crossing. 
we put the dog in the trailer, made a nice big, big space for him. He got to hang out in there. As opposed to the kennel, one-tenth of the size of the trailer, with all sorts of barking, yapping dogs that are all freaking out. And then we get to go upstairs and hang out. Watch the crossing a little bit. It's a daytime crossing, very calm, four and a half hours, five hours. Barely any swells at all. And his amazing hot dogs. <laughs> it was white, fluffy bread, like buns, really, that uh, they took a ginormous hot dog off of the rollers, poked a hole through the bread, like a tube, so that the entire hot dog was encased in bread. And then they would squirt some ketchup and mustard down it so that uh, you'd have some condiments. And then they'd insert the meat. <laughs> Rather quite the image to see these big appendages sticking straight up. All those bread buns sticking on top of them. Waiting to receive the meat. It's a good hot dog. Kids liked it. And my kid and I liked it too, because kids couldn't finish it and I had to finish off two of them. You know, a third a piece, so I had two thirds of a hot dog. Oh, we divided and conquered, had a good time on the ferry. Walked around, got a leg stretched, and then eventually we docked, got back inside the ferry again, and sort of got off the ferry and back in the car. And, uh, Started on our drive. Gas situation almost hit us again because, uh, you know, there's not a hell of a lot from Port Basque up to uh, Corner Brook. And so far as civilization, it's trees and dirt and road. We actually decided to turn back to Port Basque to fill up just to be sure and then drive to the next city, be able to fill up again, so... That was, again, one of those gas conversations we've been having the entire length of the trip so far. I mean, we even had another one today. <laughs> Should we fill up now before we go? Did you lose your ball? Hey. No, it's in your mouth. Okay, good. But uh, confined space, tired children. That was probably our longest consecutive time of travel was that time and uh, near the end of it like any parental unit we were stretched beyond our limits with the kids kids were tired cranky and hungry we actually pulled over to the side of the road and luckily we have a trailer people to get some food and make a impromptu supper on the side of the road get back in and start up again which is kind of nice if ever there was a bathroom break need we could use the trailer which was also good, but still, it's like, I know they're only seven. I know my son's only nine. But they just don't seem to comprehend that they can't bug each other. Just for the sake of bugging each other, because it bugs everybody inside the entire car. Or else they don't quite comprehend the whole concept of indoor voice versus outdoor voice when you're inside a car. So you've got them squealing, you've got them yelling, teasing, 
Hell, I know. I must have been as bad when I was a kid, but being on the other side of that whole discussion, it's enough to make you want to stick pencils in your eyes. So my whole uh, not yelling at the kids thing didn't work out too well at different points. Same with my wife. As their limits were tested and stretched beyond the limits. Come on, let's go, buddy. So, not some of my finer, finer parental uh, experiences, but honest to God, what do you do? Like, you can distract them for so long, you can have them self-soothe and self-entertain. You can dynamically program them with DVDs and Game Boys and other types of things like that, but they only last so long. We tried singing, telling stories, quiet time games, you name it. So, revised trip plans don't have us having that kind of a long stretch of travel again, which is good. But it does mean that we spend less time in the places where we're at because we take more time getting there. But I guess our philosophy is basically, hey, let's uh, let's focus on making the travel part of the experience because this whole trip down east is about experiences. And uh, make it so that we all have good experiences throughout. So far, kids love us. You know, one thing I will say because of their age, they're into different things than we are. Like, I'm all about wanting to get out and go hiking and go for walks and stuff like that and take the dog. But kids are about hanging out, going to the bouncy pillow. Riding their bikes. We made sure that we brought their bikes. And they become quite autonomous with their bikes, which is quite nice. You can get some good time by just giving them a choice to go off and explore the place. The next campground we're going to go to, I think I'm going to set some waypoints on the GPS during a morning walk with the dog. And uh, see if I can make the kids have a little scavenger hunt trying to find them. That's one of our things. You know, you got to mesh a little bit of technology in. And you know what? Speaking of technology, i got to say honestly, if you haven't already been out east before, don't even bother bringing your Roger cell phone because coverage is basically non-existent, which is one of the reasons why we're kind of freaked out with our trip back from the ferry, driving from Port Basque to uh, Cornerbrook. Hope you guys can hear this waterfall I'm coming up to here. Right now I'm walking on top of the slate stones. The path has turned into water. And over here on one side of me is a beautiful small little stream waterfall coming down the side of a mountain. Again, all slate shards of rock. Surprisingly not slippery. Pretty neat. I found that one the first walk, obviously, and 
quite enjoyed that. So non-existent cell phone coverage between Porta Basque to Cornerbrook, and even then it's never turned on again. So my cell phone's been off all this time. Unfortunately, both my wife and I both have Roger's phone, so we're both dead in the water. But funny thing is, though, the campground has high-speed Wi-Fi available. Use it to check my mail once because I'm expecting something I have to resolve, and that's about it. Trying to update my blog site just for fun as part of this trip. You know, I'm probably going to be posting this episode during the trip as well, so I need to have some level of connectivity. But the funny thing is that uh, most campgrounds have Wi Fi nowadays. It's pretty rudimentary or pretty shitty, but they, uh, they also, we happen to carry a Bell Stick, which is a different network than Rogers, and it does have coverage. So. I've used that on occasion to, to get on, and Kelly's used it once or twice to continue playing her words game that she does. It's been an awesome time. Two more weeks to go. As I mentioned, we go off to Fogo tomorrow. It's about a three-hour drive, four-hour drive. Then we have a ferry ride, and then a couple hours after that. And it's on a little teeny tiny island, way up north. I think her name was Barbara, got us the spot. <laughs> or Brenda, got her, had a call her at home because she was going home for dinner to see if we could book us or not. That was cute, very personal service up this way. Yeah, that's about it. Coming up to the end of my walk, it's been awesome. Got to work on being better with the kids. Try to regain my composure again. It's got to be a better long-term strategy. Last time we checked in, we were getting ready to leave for Harbor Mill. Now we're in Harbor Mill. And this is one of the little bays that's around Harbor Mill with seawater. Uh, last time I was here, or two times ago that I was here, big waves, walking around with the kids, having a fun time. 
This time it's just me and I've got Riley and uh, his brother from another mother. Ace is here too. And I'm chucking the ball, trying to get some, uh, trying to get some exercise for the boys. In the distance, you might be able to hear a sound of a quad runner just running up and down the road there. Everybody's got quad runners around here. It's the main way people get around, I guess. Outside of their cars. And, uh, yeah, this is, uh, amazing. It's, what, about 4 o'clock now? I do believe. I got up at 8 with Mike and with, uh, Brandon. Mike said, hey, let's go out cod fishing, because apparently the season is open for individuals using their own power, their own boat, is able to get three people on a boat, five fish apiece, so 15 cod, provided you can catch them. And uh, so Mike has a dory, a dory that's in the historical sense, wooden boat, handmade, flat bottom, big bow and stern, multiple points to put in some big ass oars and then roar out and we rode oh my god we rode about about three kilometers in that thing out into the bay and into the ocean area to be able to find the right shelf to uh cast off and man it was fun my god three hours we caught 15 fish and the reason why it was three hours because the wind picked up and we had to row an awful lot but uh we caught 15 cod between the three of us. Came home around noonish, one o'clock ish, and then proceeded to woof down some lunch and then get the cod filleted, skinned, processed, frozen, done. And uh, wrapped it all up, and that was about uh, two hours ago. And now we're here. And let me tell you, that's a, that's, that's a hard life. I could not picture actually fishing for real in one of those boats in the olden days the old timers were saying that big sailboats would sail out four dories out uh out to the grand banks and then two men would get inside each dory and row out further and just start picking up nets and jigging cod and filling up the boat up to the gunnels and then uh row the damn thing back to the boat and then offload into the ship and then go out and do it again i can't even imagine that that's insane I mean, I rode that boat for a good two-kilometer stretch, and I was killing myself, absolutely killing myself. But uh, it was beautiful, sunny, no waves, a little bit of wind near the end, slowing us down, blowing us around, but uh, unbelievable, unbelievable experience going and fishing cod. I mean, that's... I've only ever been deep sea fishing before, and that's a little bit different where you got 15 people on a boat that's a diesel power that takes you out and catch a bunch of herring, then you use the herring to bait up and to catch the cod. We didn't even use any bait. You just throw the damn hooks in with the lures, sink it down to the bottom and start jigging, and next thing you know, boom, strike on, you got a fish. Reel it up, and you got to take the first 15 you pull out of the water and put them in the boat. And it was the first time cleaning and filleting and skinning cod. I've never done that before. On the slip, as we're done. Very disgusting job. 
again. I can't even picture it doing it full time. Like Mike was saying that uh, when he used to go last year, he'd have managed to finally fillet one fish. And the guy next to him had already done eight fish by the time he was done by how fast he was going. So it's definitely some issues with uh, speed and practice to get things done. So this is a rocky beach. I got the two dogs walking around. You can hear them probably. A little bit of wave action. It's very, very, very calm here right now. It's full of energy though, I tell you. I'm looking at these beautiful mountains. The clouds just over top. Nice overcast. Not too hot, not too cold. Beautiful environment. And uh, the fact that it, we just did a whole day of nothing planned. Ended up being a whole day of fishing cleaning, prepping, storing, and uh, getting ready for our shinding. We're having a big shinding tonight in the in the kitchen. So that'll be a lot of fun, playing some music, drinking. Invited the town over for a housewarming kitchen party for the new cottage, new house. Not a bad day for, what, this is now about our third day here? Third day in, maybe fourth day in to Harbor Mill. Kids are hilarious. They uh, literally get up, shove some breakfast at them, or they shove themselves full of breakfast. They got their friends waiting outside for them, and they just disappear. They're gone. They're running around, doing whatever they want to do inside this small little village. And you'd think they'd be bored or worried about stuff, but are you kidding, man? They are packed full of doing everything from trying to catch crayfish or miniature crabs or whatever just off the slip or going to run down to uh, the shop which is the corner store there's only one of them in the town and uh, it's funny I was talking to my son last night he says what do you what would you like so far about Harbor Mill he says I like the shop I'm like why because I have an account I'm like what I have an account at the shop I just walk up to the counter and I show him what I'm buying and then he writes down on a piece of paper with my name on it and I got it cleared up the next day I'm like, oh, I see, like a little credit system, I guess. And he says, does anybody else have stuff on your credit account, or is it just you? He's like, no, no, just me. So what's on it? Uh, Gatorade, bag of chips, chocolate bar, popsicle. That's about it. I'm like, oh, so what are you going to do for the money to pay for that? He's like, oh, I'll just ask Mom. So I put him to work picking up some of the garbage on the side of the hill. Paid off his account. The other thing he said that was fun was that he uh, he slept on rocks. I'm like, what? By the shop. The teenagers and the other kids that are around, there's about 10 of them or so, they hang out in about varying in age from, you know, 7 all the way up to 16 or 17. And they were just laying around on the rocks and everyone had like a little nap, a little siesta, including Mac. And he says that was great. So... Strange things. He remembers going to the shop, paying off his account, and having to sleep on the rocks and the dirt. <laughs> I guess. I guess whatever turns your crank, eh? I seem to think I left some unfinished business talking about. Um, 
talking about uh, distracting the kids and working out that long drive because to get here is about a six and a half hour drive, seven hour drive. Actually longer than that. How about, yeah, about seven hour drive in the car. Um, minimal stops. And uh, what we're going to do to try to make it so that there wasn't people screaming like maniacs with their heads cut off, being axe murdered, fighting between the kids and fighting between the parents to get the kids to be quiet and respectful and stuff. And So the night before we left, we had a big, long conversation about it in their terms and their speed and their dialogue for having the kids see what they felt was right and what wasn't right to be able to do inside the the car and what they could do to entertain themselves and how they can keep from getting on each other's nerves and it was really really strange because I have to say it actually worked the next day so the day that we traveled for the seven and a half hours you know we set everyone up for success they got their pillows they got all comfortable uh, their seats and they all knew they had to change we had some electronics all queued up and charged up they could play with for a little while, but then they had a timer that they had to switch back and forth between the different stuff, so that worked for them. But uh, it's, it's uh, for some reason, it's like a different, you know, sort of like a, a different energy, like you mentioned, for that time, for that ride. It wasn't like a hurried, rushed, rushed craziness that it was with a little bit of caution and freaking out about from getting off the boat and driving feeling like you're going crazy with nothing around you and no contact outside world because there's no cell phone coverage worried about running out of gas but uh yeah it was like a different day different whole experience than driving from the ferry it was a longer drive potentially and everyone managed to pull through it it was very soothing to tell you the truth very soothing. We got here in time, but the funny thing was in Clarenville, which was about uh, two hours away from our final destination, uh, we had a problem where the, we uh, misestimated the gas. We're having this damn problem with the fact that the thing tows and sucks up more gas than normal. And uh, we started to go past because I thought I had enough gas to get to Clarenville, according to my gauges and my estimates, but uh, it wasn't working out for us. So... Um, I thought I saw a gas station behind us, but Kelly didn't want to turn around, and I agreed. And we should just keep on foraging ahead because there's only two kilometers or three kilometers down the road to get to Clarenville, where there is definitely a gas station. Well, well, we ran out of gas on this straight stretch of road. Nothing else around us. Clarenville was probably about three, five, three to five kilometers away. Out of gas, the car starts stuttering. I start to feel like I'm losing power because it's power uh, steering and power brakes. So I pull over to the side slowly and start jamming on the brakes and start taking it easy. Engine cuts completely out, then I have to stand both feet on the brakes to be able to come to a complete stop. Put on my flashers, put on the emergency brake, and then uh, I have to get out trying to wave somebody down. Hey! Riley. Hey! Come on, Ice! Ace, come on. Sorry, they don't like uh, being surprised by people. I thought they might have heard somebody come over the hill or something, but there was no one coming. So we run out of gas. I pull over, stop the car. I get out. No one's around. Try waving at a couple of people. No one really stops. And then finally about two cars go past in the same direction we were going in. 
Uh, I do a very big effort, take off my hat and wave, and actually get someone to uh, stop over. And it was uh, three young folks, three, I'd say, university age types that were coming back from the cabin. And uh, they rearranged their uh, luggage and stuff to make it so I could fit. And I got in the cab with them. They're still in the cab. Got in the back seat with them. Chatting about stuff, driving in. And it literally was up a hill, down a hill, around a corner, and boom, we were there in Clarenville, where we need to be for the gas station. And uh, he wants to stop at Tim's. His name is Ian. He wants to stop at Tim's. And so I buy him a, I buy him a French vanilla Tim's drink, which he liked. And then we get out at the gas station, and uh, I take my card, and I authorize the pump to be able to be used. And I said, go ahead, fill up. So he fills up his car, probably with 40 bucks worth of gas, 30 bucks worth of gas. Popping it up. I go inside. I buy a... a uh, 10 liter container to fill up and then uh, so it was two transactions basically with the credit card and uh, after it was done get back in the car and he drives me back very nice of him and fill up the car and then drive over the hill over the, down the hill around the corner and boom there we are in Clarenville and uh, we fill up on gas and we're good to go. I'm trying to get the ball away from Riley so I can throw it again, but he's not letting me have it. Ow! Come on, Riley, give me the ball. No, he's not letting me have it. Would you give me the ball? Come on. Here they are. They're wrestling around themselves. Okay, you guys finish that off. Now, the funny thing is, when we get to Clarenville, and I pull in the same gas station, try to use a credit card, fill up on gas, buy some supplies, and we're all set to go, uh, my card's declined. And declined, and declined, and declined, and declined, and declined. And finally, it's okay, it's not working, so I have to pay with cash. But, uh... Turns out that uh, it's not a good idea to make three progressively larger charges against a credit card inside a remote Canadian Tire gas station in Clarenville without tipping off the computers that uh, it's possible fraud. So <laughs> my card was locked out. I had to unlock it today, two days later, three days later, because I finally got around to doing it. Um, so, lesson of the wise, word of the wise. Try to keep your transactions to a minimum with your credit cards. Otherwise, uh, you end up with uh, fraud prevention kicking in with automated routines to lock your card out. Which I found quite funny. You know... This has been absolutely amazing. We're going to have a kitchen party tonight. It's been a gorgeous day. I'm doing nothing but fishing, cleaning, relaxing, playing with the dogs. And uh, I still got a week and a half to go. <laughs> Gotta love it. Vacation's awesome. I'm 
almost going to catch a couple of minutes of these waves here. See what it sounds like. I think that'll be enough for this episode. I'll wrap it up and publish this puppy and get her going. The next one. Thank you.